And tonight we're going to continue our study in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Last week we left off at verse number 4. It says how that he was caught up unto, into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. I'll go ahead and tell you I thoroughly enjoyed studying that passage for a couple of weeks. I thoroughly enjoyed being able to teach that passage last week. I enjoyed looking at that place that the Bible called paradise. I enjoyed looking at that place that it is a privilege that we are given by the grace of God to call that place home. I was excited to get to be able to just talk about this place called heaven, a place that there are no human words in our vocabulary to even begin to describe the beauty of the sights or the beauty of the sounds that has taken place there in paradise. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul echoed the words that Isaiah had spoken in chapter 64. It is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So I'm excited about it. I would love to stay right there tonight and let's just look at paradise some more and stay on that. But we need to continue on with the Bible study. So I'll pick up 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 5. Paul goes on and says, Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am... For I am weak, then am I made strong. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the hand of the Apostle Paul that you used through your Holy Spirit to write this letter to the church. God, I pray you'd use it tonight and speak to us, your children. God, I pray if there be anyone out there that's never trusted Christ, that's never been saved, may you speak to them today. May your Holy Spirit draw them. Today is the day of salvation. God, what a beautiful day it would be for somebody to give their life to Christ. God, I pray you'd speak to your children here in this Wednesday night Bible study. I pray you'd help us to learn something. We'd be eager to serve you, God. I pray you'd teach us something that would help us to be better servants for you, God. We love you. We trust you. We thank you and we praise you in the precious holy name of Jesus. Amen. So Paul continues as he did last week, talking about himself in third person. He says there in verse number five, Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself will I not glory, but in mine infirmities. See, Paul can look objectively at the man that was trusted with the incredible visions that he talked about there in verse number one, the revelations that he was given. He says, that man was the man of Christ, and that man will I glory, but not of myself. See, sometimes we as Christians, we need to remember the separation of the facts. Many times, God uses all of you to do something. God does something through every one of his children. Every Christian is a tool in the hand of God. We're just all in the toolbox, and God uses all of you. Every day God does something with you. God does something through you. Some of them are big things. Some of them are great things. Some of them are barely mentionable things, but all of them are Christ working through us, no matter how big or how small. But we have to be careful to remember that anything that we do 
that is of any value to God at all has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with the power of God resting on us or the power of the Lord Jesus Christ working in us and working through us. We have to be careful to remember that we're all just a bunch of sinners. We're nothing more than sinners saved by the amazing grace of a loving God. And if there be any good in us, it's nothing but Christ. Verse number 6, Paul says, For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. If Paul wanted to boast, it seems that he would certainly be right to do so. It seems like he'd be right to be proud of the many accomplishments in his life, the many things that God has done with him and done through him. But Paul says, I'll do no such thing. I'll only brag on what Christ has done. Paul says, I'll do nothing to glorify myself or any other man, only the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 7, he goes on, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Lest I should be exalted. Paul says, to keep me humble, to keep me from developing an ego problem, to, to make sure that I don't give credit to myself, God gave me a little help. God put a thorn in my flesh. He gave me something that reminds me every day not to think of myself as being anything special. See, Paul doesn't tell us what the thorn in the flesh is. He only tells us that he has one. It seems obvious to me that it's some kind of physical condition. It's something that either caused him problems, and some have said that maybe it's his eyesight, and anything is speculation. It really is because the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what it is. It could be a physical ailment that caused him pain. Maybe maybe it's something that's embarrassing to him, um, some, some type of deformation. There's been a lot of different speculations. I've taught on the passage before, so I won't spend a lot of time here. But the Bible doesn't identify the thorn, and I believe that's for a reason. I believe it's for our benefit. There's so many problems that would arise had he named what the thorn is. Number one, had he told what the problem was, then whoever has that problem automatically would begin to associate or compare themselves with the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul is an amazing man of God, probably as amazing as any of those in the Bible, but the Apostle Paul is not our benchmark. The Lord Jesus Christ is our benchmark. We don't compare ourselves to any other man. If you want to compare yourself and see how small you are, we compare ourselves against the Lord Jesus Christ. But the other would be that people might use it to build themselves up or to boast in themselves. If Paul had mentioned what the thorn in the flesh was, and somebody else had the same thorn in the flesh. It might cause them to compare themselves to the Apostle Paul and, and try to put themselves up to the level where he was or, or, or the, the level of service and the way that God used him. Another reason that, that Paul may not have told us what it is, is it gives each one of us the ability to whatever your thorn in the flesh is, you put it in right there. Whatever it is that you deal with, whatever it is that keeps you humble, whatever it is that pulls you back, whatever it is that causes you pain, whatever it is that, that causes embarrassment to you in society, whatever it is that you've prayed and you've asked God to fix this, you've asked God to heal this, you've asked God to take care of this, whatever it is that you have, and God says, no, I'm not going to change that. Well, you can put that in right here in this place. So Paul doesn't tell us what the thorn is. He only tells us that he has a thorn. And he says that it is the messenger of Satan to buffet me. So Paul doesn't only ascribe 
a physical condition to this thing, but it has a spiritual aspect. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. That word buffet that he used means to, to strike someone with the fist or to take the fist and inflict pain on someone. It also means to punish. So whatever it is that Paul is dealing with, based on what he says here, it was a very serious issue. It is an issue that, that he deals with every day of his life. It's something that he deals with in his health. It's something that causes him problem. But every day of his life, every day he gets up, he has to deal with whatever this is but yet, in spite of the problem, in spite of the thorn in the flesh, in spite of the fact that it's causing him pain or trouble, whatever it is doing, in spite of all that, God gets, uh, Paul gets up and serves God every single day of his life. Paul gets up and goes about his business. He doesn't pay the thorn any more attention. He does his three evangelical tours. He, he evangelized all of Asia Minor. He went and evangelized all of Europe. He evangelized all of Rome. He even evangelized cities from prisons. I was thinking today, I wish to, I had a way to put it up and put it on the screen, the little Energizer Bunny commercial. It's about what Paul's like. He just keeps on going. There, there wasn't any stopping him, man. He just got up every morning, and he set out to serve the Lord again, day in and day out. Had the Holy Spirit not told him to mention it to us here in our text, we would have never even known he had it. He just went about his business serving the Lord. Now, that's important for us to look at also because there's a lot of Christians in today's world that about the last thing you want to ask is, how are you doing? Unless you don't have anything else to do for the rest of the day, um, and you've got plenty of time for listening, that's not a question that you want to ask. And, and I'm certainly not casting a stone here, but I'm telling you as Christians, we need to be careful with that stuff. Paul was dealing with something very serious, but he didn't go around telling everybody about his problem. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament, and one time, he, he may have mentioned it a couple of other times, he doesn't tell us in quite the same detail as being given a thorn in the flesh. This is the only time he really points out to us on a daily basis he dealt with some type of physical ailment. We as Christians need to be very careful going around. We, we today, Lord, I want to be careful People use these, these illnesses and whatever it is that, that they have, and I'm certainly not making light of them, but, but people use excuses why they can't serve, why I can't be in this ministry, or why I can't help in that ministry, or why I can't do that, or I've already done this, and I've reached that, and I've done. They give all these, they even give reasons. Well, I can't come to church because, and, and we make, a, a, lot of, a lot of reasons as to why we're sick and to why we can and to why, why we won't. And to be honest, if someone out there in the world is looking at the child of God and all they ever hear is grumbling and complaining, why do they want what we have? I mean, how good can it really be if all we want to do is talk about the thorn in the flesh we go around complaining? Paul says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Paul says three times I prayed about it. This thing's bothering me. This thing's hurting me. This thing is an issue. I've talked to God three times about it. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul, he changed his attitude. He said three times I prayed is what God said. Now he says most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
Paul says, three times I've gone into the throne room of grace. Three times I've gone on my face before a holy and righteous God that has the ability to heal all things. Three times I've asked God to take this reproach away from my body, and God said no. Therefore, I'm through asking. One of the things that you notice here, Paul's prayer, somebody pay attention, Paul's prayer did not change Paul's situation but Paul's prayer changed Paul. When we pray and God says, no, I'm not going to change your situation, God is trying to form us into what he wants us to be instead of what we've asked him to make us. Prayer is designed to go before God, but it's not a wish list. I'll go ahead and tell you, that kind of kills the story for all those name it and claim it preachers. You just go in and name it and you can have it. Ask and you shall receive. You have not because you ask not. That's hogwash. You've got to take the Word of God in the context of the Scriptures. You're not going to get everything you ask for. We'd all be billionaires, and we'd probably all die and go to hell because we put all our love in money. We, we wouldn't get everything. What we will get is what God wants us to have. Yes, yes, ask and you shall receive. You shall receive an answer. God will not ignore his children. You have not because you ask not. That's true. If you want an answer, you need to ask God. If you want something, you ask God for it. But it's important to remember that no is an answer. God has the ability to say whatever he needs to say in order to get us to be whatever he needs us to be. And Paul says three times, I went before God and God says no, and I'm through asking I'm just going to serve him the way it is. Paul says, end of discussion. He says, I'm going to take what God has given me. His answer is, I'm going to serve God with all my heart. I'm going to go about my day. I'm not going to make mention of my illness. Then he says this, because God's grace is enough. It is in my weakness that Christ is made strong. Paul says, here's the way I see it. Along with this thorn, he gave me the thorn, and, and I didn't want the thorn, so I tried to get rid of it, and I asked God to take it away. But along with this thorn, what I actually gained is the matchless grace of God. Remember I mentioned in verse number one a while ago that he talked about how he was given visions and revelations. Paul was given a revelation of the sufficiency of God's grace and the power of God's strength. And Paul said, it is enough. God's grace and the strength of Christ on me, it is enough. He suffered every minute of every day, but he never mentions it again. He just lives according to what he said. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, <clears throat> that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So not only does Paul say that I learned that God's grace is sufficient, but he says, I learned that in all things, God's power is enough. He says, I don't have to be made whole. I don't have to be healed of my infirmity. It's not my doings anyway. It's all the power of Christ that rests on me. God's strength through man's weakness is a theme that carries throughout the entire word of God. I don't have time or the voice to talk about it. That grass pollen is killing me. <clears throat> and you don't have time to listen but the Bible is full of examples. Now, you think about men like Gideon and his 300 men and the mighty miracle that, that God did there. You think about David, a young shepherd boy who went up against the, the Philistine champion, the giant, with a great victory. You, you think about 
um, Samson with the jawbone of an ash went up against a thousand warriors of the Philistines. You think about a, a humble virgin named Mary that God used to deliver the Son of God through her. The Word of God is full of examples of how God doesn't need our power and God doesn't need our might and God doesn't need our strength. All God needs is our willingness to obey His voice. All God needs is our willingness to be used by Him for His glory. Paul learned that his weakness is what made him stronger than he ever had been before. It's the kind of strength that doesn't come from physical attributes, but it comes from a spiritual relationship with the Father. And Paul goes on to say, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, many people have prayed and asked God for that power. They've asked God for this kind of apostolic power that, that the apostles had. They've asked God for the power to be able to overcome and to do things. There, there's no way God could trust us with that kind of power. God couldn't give us to that because we're not disciplined enough to use the power. You look at James and John in Luke chapter 9, the Samaritan village had rejected Jesus Christ. And when the disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? No, they had the power. Jesus had given them this apostolic power. They had the power. And if Jesus said yes, it would have been backed by the power of the Son of God. But Jesus answered, you know what manner of spirit you are of. Jesus says, that, that's not what I'm about. The Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Somebody can say thank you, Jesus, right there. And then it says that they went on to another village. If it had been left up to the disciples, they would have destroyed an entire city. If we'd been given that kind of power, there's some people who wouldn't be doing so well right now because we would use it um, ill-effectively. God can't trust us with that kind of power in us, but he can use us with that kind of power on us. It is God who, if we will allow ourselves, we don't need that kind of power and that kind of self-confidence to go into a situation to be what God wants us to be or do what God wants us to do. We just need the faith to walk into the situation and know that God will put the power on us while we're there and it is God that will work in us and it is God that will supply the power through us to do what it is that God wants us to do. Paul recognizes here in our text that the Lord's power can only be obtained on his terms. It's only where God sends us. But Paul also recognizes that the more pain he has, the more grace he has. The weaker he becomes, the stronger he is made. So, so we see the source of the power is Jesus Christ, Paul says, which rests upon me. He says in verse number 10, Therefore I take pleasures in infirmities. I don't know that I'm ever going to get to where the Apostle Paul was at. I don't know that I'll ever get to the point where I rejoice in my problems and, and I get all excited because it seems like everything just fell apart. I, I would love to get to there, maybe someday. I don't know. I don't know. If you've got to go through everything that Paul went through to gain the kind of strength, I don't know that I even want to pray that way. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. How many of you are going to wake up and say that one in the morning? In reproaches, in necessities. How many of you are going to wake up in the morning and thank God for all the things you don't have? In persecutions, you're going to wake up and thank God for that one? In distresses for Christ's sake. He says, I take pleasure in all those things. For when I am weak, 
then am I strong. Paul says, so what? I have a thorn in the flesh. I have an infirmity that causes me pain. Then he says, reproaches, so what? I get mocked by men. I get made fun of. People talk about me, laugh, and say all manner of things against me. Then he says, in necessity, so what? So what? I've missed a meal or two every once in a while. So what? I've been cold a couple times, and I left my cloak behind, or I gave it to somebody else, and so I don't have it. And then he says, in persecution, so what? So what? I'm persecuted in the name of Christ. So what? I'm persecuted for being a Christian. So what? I'm persecuted for doing what God says do. And then he says, in distresses. So what? So I find myself in bad situations. I find myself in terror of thieves, in peril of, of places, and in perils on the sea. So what? So what? I find myself in distresses. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Paul says, so what? So what? I get persecuted like a prophet. He said a prophet's persecutions means a prophet's reward. So what? Paul says, what do I care what man's opinion is of me? All I want to do is what Christ wants me to do, and I'm going to take pleasure in knowing that, that it, all it does is increases the riches of my rewards when I get to heaven. All I want to do is serve God with everything that I have. It didn't matter to Paul if he was in a ship that was about to crash. It didn't matter to Paul when he had a, a viper hanging from his arm. It, it didn't matter to Paul when he was persecuted by men. It didn't matter to Paul when he was cast into prisons. Paul had learned that Christ is enough. You and I need to learn that from the lesson of the Apostle Paul. Whatever your situation is, we need to learn, so what? So what? It'll all be over soon enough. So what? Christ is using me for something. So so what? So what they called me a holy roller? So what? My bank account's empty. So what? If God is using me, then it's all worthwhile. Paul says it just doesn't matter. Christ is enough. Paul had learned to go with the flow, if you will. He'd learned that the power of God was what he needed, and it was all that he needed. He, he learned that to, to go against the grain, to try to go against the flow, was only going to decrease his power with God. It was only going to cause failure. The only thing to do is just be what God wants you to be. Just go where God wants you to go. Do what God wants you to do. There's no reason to fight against it. Just go do the things that God wants us to do. He says here that he doesn't trust in his own strength. He resorts in his, to his own weakness. And he found that in his own weakness, Christ will never let him down. Sometimes we as Christians, we need, we need to be reminded of the same thing, that God is always with us. The greater the trial the greater the grace. I sat at that funeral yesterday, and I looked at grace on a family. I talked to a man two hours before a funeral that was devastated, could barely even talk, 
Two hours later, I watched him sit there and shake his hand and smile. I saw four people. Here we are in coronavirus. We can't even have a, a funeral in the church. We're outside with only a handful of people scattered out under a tent as a family, scattered across the hillside six to ten foot apart were the people that came. And in spite of coronavirus, in spite of the fact that this broken family, in spite of the fact that a dear saint of God is gone, I sat there and watched four hands raised just underneath the family tent that prayed to receive Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. So what? So what things aren't normal? So what we're not here on Wednesday night? The power of God can save somebody sitting right where you are in your seat right now. The power of God can move in your house right where you are. The power of God can still use you through your social media to reach out to people. So what? So what? It's a new norm. So what? It's different. Paul says, I've learned to take whatever life hands me. It is in my weakness that I'm made strong. It's when I realize that I'm nothing. I'm nothing of myself. I'm nothing of my own. That the power of God can now take me and do something with me and something through me. So what? That it doesn't work like I want it to. It is the power of Christ that rests in me. The weaker we are to ourselves, the stronger we can be in the power of God. The greater the thorn in the flesh, the greater the amount of grace that is applied. I, I was thinking about this in the message, and to be honest, it's a lot like preaching. You, you've heard preachers say, you've even heard me talk about preaching. There, you've heard preachers talk about how nervous they are. Some, some are just talk about stomachs tore up and palms sweating before they, they come up and preach. And um, you, you, you've heard different stories, but, but I can tell you this, when it comes to preaching the gospel, there's not an anointing while the choir's singing. It's not necessary. There's not an anointing while you're sitting there praying or while the solo's going on. There's not an anointing during the offering time. There's not an anointing until you come on the platform and begin to preach the gospel because you don't need it until then. So prior to the anointing, there may be nerves. Behind the anointing, as soon as you get through, there's a physical exhaustion. But what it is, is you don't need an anointing before you preach the gospel. You don't need an anointing after you preach the gospel. You only need the anointing to preach the gospel. I've told you the story several times. I mentioned to, to my son one time, once you get behind the, there's no reason to be nervous. Once you get behind the podium, God is there. And he told me, well, it didn't do me any good because you never stay behind the podium. Larry has trained me very well. He's made me stand still right here behind this podium. I don't get to walk all over the church anymore. Um, he threatened to cage me in with barbed wire. So I have to stand still behind this podium. But, but the, the grace that is there is like the anointing is there. You, you can't preach if you're not called of God. You can say words if you want to. But a preacher is to be called of God. And there is an anointing that a preacher feels when you come. And you also feel when you get through and it's done. And your body is exhausted. The same thing is true. If you're in a storm, you'll get the grace that you need. If you're going through a trial, you'll get what you need when you need it. You're not going to get more than you need. You're not going to get it before you need it. And it's not going to stay around after you no longer need it. God will supply everything that you need when you need it. And God will use us in our greatest weaknesses and what appears to be our greatest fleshly defeats might be God's greatest strength the day that he picks us up and he does great and mighty things through us. God will always give you just what you need to be just what he needs you to be. Well, I'm going to leave off right there. I'm not going to go on into verse number 11. Um, I want to give you a song to enjoy. At this time, a lot of times I'll give a song to Philip to put on for, for the invitation time, but I can't really put these songs in because of royalties and things, and rightfully so. I mean, YouTube, 
Facebook, those guys would have to kick us out because of royalty, so they wouldn't be wrong in doing so. So I'm just going to give you the song. Go ahead and click on Karen Pet. Go to YouTube and pull up My God Will Always Be Enough. God bless you. I love you. Thank you so much for being here this evening. Lord willing, see you next week. We'll pick up verse number 11.